This is the Marty Ray Project Chats, and I'm Marty Ray, one of the hosts of this podcast. You might know me from a beard video, a prank call, or a rap song turned acoustic cover. You're a real projector, maybe one of my three original albums as well. Regardless of how you know me now, my whole career actually started with a podcast years ago, before everybody had one and back when podcasts got no respect at all. Times have changed a little, and this is me coming back to my roots in a way. And this time, I'm bringing some friends along with me. Like my co-host, Jim Best, Country Music Hall of Fame steel guitar player and producer. He's a good one. Played on a bunch of legendary country music songs that you probably know, probably heard them. If you don't know either of us, thanks for tuning in anyway. I bet you'll love it. Welcome to the project. Download, subscribe, and rate, whether you love it or not. Sound supplied by Roadcaster Pro. Thank you so much, Road. We love you. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. Let's chat. All right. Well, today on the show, we got Craig Wayne Boyd, winner of The Voice Season 7 from Blake Shelton's team. Yes, sir. Just released a new album titled From the In Between, mm-hmm. right? That's right. And I got to tell you, there's some great music on it. I listened to it the uh, the other night. And I've got to be candid and honest with you, because that's what this show's about. I've never heard of you before. Hey. I don't watch The Voice. I know nothing about any of those shows. I never watched it until I was on it. So. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I didn't bad. know about you, but I do. I did listen to some of the songs, and, and two of my favorite is Me and Jesus. Oh, there you I go. love that. And Nothing's Looking Good on You. So, uh, that's one that reminded me of you. Nothing looks good on you. <laughs> talking about Jim. Jim, that, I'm talking to you, Jim. Oh, me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nothing looks good on you anymore. I just wanted to let you know. Try them all in black. Uh, he's rooted in Southern gospel music, just like my mama. So he's very good in my book. Oh, well, Southern gospel. Yes. And I went and listened to some of that old stuff. And <laughs> I got to tell you, you, I don't know how you wasn't already a, uh, Southern gospel legend, unless you just didn't want to be. Man, you know, I, uh, I grew up in church. I, I grew up, that's how I learned how to sing. I was, it was, uh, my dad was a bluegrass player. So he put a mandolin in my hands about the age of four. And uh, my mom was a Pentecostal lady. I'm Pentecostal. That's she was. I'm talking about like the she's never cut her hair. That's exactly long, that's the way. Long that's the way I grew home. up, and yeah. that's the way I still am. I I still don't cut my hair. <laughs> still, <laughs> it just all fell out, right? It just it just leaves. And I'm so, still wearing a long skirt, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. whoa. Ew, ew, Jim, ew. No, you, can you close your legs? Some I'm, I'm seeing all the way up your skirt. <laughs> So we start every show with a fast five questions. We ask yeah. you five questions, and you give us five quick answers. All right. You ready? Sure. Now, be honest with us now. This gets really, really deep. You ready? hmm Favorite snack food? Uh, Twix. Oh, Twix. Okay. Who would play you in a movie about you? Um, I mean, wishful thinking, Brad Pitt. Come on. <laughs> hey, I could see that. I could see that. You know, they always get somebody that looks way better than the actual person. Uh, that's what I was thinking. I'm not saying you're ugly. That's a joke. That's a joke. All right. What's on your phone screensaver? I bet I can guess. Uh, I bet I can guess. Let me guess. Your daughters. Uh, your children. Yep. All my kids. Boom. Look yeah, at that. Sure enough. Um, cats, dogs, or other? Uh, I got fish. See? Other. Uh, I knew there'd be another category. Now, this was especially made just for you. This this one, this one last five. five. What hair products do you use on that Prince Charming hair? <laughs> it's called a hair tool. <laughs> what is that? It is a it's a hair wand that uh, it just takes out the the wrinkles in it. And up till about uh, about what about a week ago, maybe 
I uh, my beard was about half the length of yours, uh, and I just chopped it all off. Yeah, why would you do I was something using foolish it, like I was, that? I was using the hair wand on my beard. <laughs> why would you? Oh, it, it messed it up. <laughs> no, no, well, what messed it up was I. I was like, well, you know what? I needed to, you know, look a little bit younger. So that just for men is uh, is for crap. That's what mm, it's called. Did you uh, did you put in just uh, for men? And it it went way too dark. Oh no! Oh yeah, I look like I look like Hulk Hogan. You should. <laughs> we just talked about Hulk Hogan. That's funny. On the last episode, um, Hulk Hogan actually tried to work with him, tried to get him to uh, help his daughter Brooke. Oh yeah, years ago. Yeah, I remember when they were running around town. Yeah, she was. Uh, she was trying to. I think she had a, a pretty big song at one time, but yeah, I guess she just gave up. Anyway, uh, let's get into the meat of the thing, um, and I want you to be honest. Like I said, be candid with us here. Because I've been contacted, I'm not bragging, but I've been contacted several times by The Voice and by American Idol and America's Got Talent. And uh, I never want to, I always tell them the same thing. I say, look, I'm more than happy to go sing on TV, of course. Yeah. But I don't want to sign no no contract to do it. Like you can keep the you can keep if it's a contract that says you can keep the uh, the video that you film, I'm fine with that. But I don't want to sign the contract, like a record deal. Because like yeah. the, back when, when they were contacting me, they said you sign a record deal just to go on the show, and then it goes into effect if you are in the top four or something like that, or they can, or if they choose to. Yeah, they just have the option for it. The option, right? Yeah. So I was like, well, if we can, I'll do it. With if you take that out, I don't have to sign that. I'll sign the TV contract, but not the record, not the record deal, because I don't want a record deal. So be honest, like, hey, was it was it what you thought it was going to be on that show? Absolutely, it was exactly what you thought. Absolutely, no. No. Actually, it was it was actually a little better than I expected. It was better, yeah. Because you hear you see a lot of horror stories, but and, you won, so you you really. But you know what? I that was one thing that that people don't really know a lot about, and I and I know I won't get in trouble for talking about it either. But they do give you the option. I mean, uh, me coming from Nashville, I have to go back to that. I moved to Nashville in two thousand four uh, from Dallas, Texas. Come up here chasing the dream. Seven months had a publishing deal. Thought I was king, king of the road, and quickly figured it out that I wasn't. You know, but uh, I, so I took it on the road. Figured out how to sing better, how to entertain people more, all that good stuff. Had a couple of record deals that fell through as soon as they happened, and you know, being in the studio and some, you know, the president would change the label or something crazy like that. Um, but I, so when I went into the voice just giving you a little background that I'd been through the business a little bit. Um, when I got to the voice, they were like, okay, well, you have to have an attorney. That, that's a, the law. You have to have an attorney and we're going to bring in three attorneys for you guys to check out and you contestants figure it out who you want. And then you have to sign the contract. I'm like, well, well, heck. you have to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was great because then I got to listen to three attorneys and figure out which one that I liked that made more sense to me. And every single day for that next two weeks, every morning at 5 a.m., I was sitting in the lobby, fine-tooth combing a contract with him and saying, no, 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 we can't do that. No, they can't have masters that I've recorded you know, five years ago. Oh, that's you know, pretty and good. Mark that's it out. You, know, you, just, you just redline it, man. Yeah, that's and all the way the... down to one of the things that helped me, one of the biggest things I feel like, and I don't know if they can ever have it happen again because I used it, um, was that. But then if I was the one chosen for this contract, that they had to have a single on the radio in 45 days or they were breach of contract. Nice. And we we wrote it in thinking that they were going to mark it out, and they didn't. So you actually – but here's the difference with you and me. You actually were looking for a record deal. 
Um, I wouldn't say I was looking for one. You wasn't? I, no, I I knew I had spent um, at that point a good five or six years doing 200 and some odd shows all over the country in the back of a 15-passenger van with five sweaty dudes <laughs> pulling yeah, a trailer. But- and... I was like, I busted my butt over five years doing that many shows, and I may have reached about eight hundred to nine hundred thousand people. And I can go on this TV show, and I can reach ten, fifteen million in one performance. Right, and that's under- where my brain went with it. You know, I was like, you know, I what? completely I, understand that. I, yeah. Even if I was on there once or twice, I'd hit more people than I'd hit in my entire life. That's right, but it, it what really matters though to me is the ROI, so the return on investment. Yeah. So you're you invested your time and your your talent to that show. A lot of people they're on there, you don't see them anymore. Like you yeah. don't hear about them. They don't start. They don't have millions of views online or followers or you know what I'm saying. It don't. It doesn't really translate all the time. With you, it did because you won the show. Well, I don't think it was because I won the show. I think it was because I, I put in the the time and effort that it takes to do that. There's so many guys that I see in this, even here in Nashville. I'm not putting down anybody that comes here because I was one of those guys. I I, I am one of those guys. Um, but a lot of folks come here and they're like, okay, I'm here. What are you going to do for me? There ain't nobody going to do anything for you more than you're going to do for yourself. And so when I went into the going into the voice, I wasn't going there for them to do anything for me. I was going there to use them for what would help me. And that was use their television time, use their tel- their production team to do what I wanted to do. I would draw out my sets that I wanted behind me for the songs. This is the I would get with the choreographer. This is how I would love to see this happen. Can we have a timpani player over here? I want a string bass player over here. Can you do that? And they would say yes, you had because that, I had a, because I had a vision. For <clears throat> you had that kind of control. Yes, really, absolutely. That's that's impressive. Because I, I don't think that happens for sure. I with still everybody. I still have the sketches from from like when I did the Old Rugged Cross. I I really pushed to do that. Blake stood up for me to to do the Old Rugged Cross on the show, and I really did feel like it was that time in my life I had ran from that in my past. You know, when I moved to Nashville, I was running from being a music director at a church and. Uh, I had just went through a bad experience, and there were some other things that had happened in my life. Um, uh, I, I felt like I was I was a, uh, a Christian and a lover of Jesus, but I was definitely not about the religious side of it. Yeah, and about religion. I was I was spiritual, not religious. How about that? Um, so I, I was get it. Ru- I was running from that, and I I had like a light bulb come above my head while I was on the show. I was like, Craig, yeah, you really planned well, and everything is starting to work. But guess what? It's not just because you're working hard. Yeah, hard work helps. But there's somebody else that's helping you out with this. Oh, that's where I was like, all right, yeah, yes, sir, I get it. So and I so I pushed to do that. But even with that, what was the reason I even mentioned that was because I was able to draw out the set and a sketch and said, this is what I'd love to have behind me. I want it to look like a cathedral. I want the whole ground to be smoke, like we're on the cloud. You know, all those kind of things. And they they took it and they made it even cooler than I had drawn it out. But um, I think um, my point in saying all of that is if you use those connections and, and use it to your best, of, you know, use it to your advantage, I would suggest it to anybody. Right. No, if you – I would suggest it to anybody if they're looking for a, la- a record deal. Yeah. That's the way – that's a good way to get it. You know what I mean? If you're talented. Oh, that was the worst record deal ever. But <laughs> No, I know. I know. But But – Unfortunately, young people in, in today's world, even old, older people, like I get it all the time. 
in comments and they'll say, man, I can't believe you're not signed yet. Well, I'm not signed because I don't want to be. Yeah. Right. They'll say that all the time in comments, like, well, I can't believe you're not signed to this and that. And you need to go on the voice and all this. And they don't even know. Right. That's what this is for. So that like, like last, I should have mentioned that in the last episode, Jim, uh, that I'm not looking for a record deal. You know what I mean? That's not, I don't need them anymore. Back when I needed them before, before I had a, a million fans and a hundred plus million views, I needed them. Yeah. Right. Uh, and they didn't want me. So now that I don't need them, I don't want them. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> Forget them people. But still to this day, I would go and sing on The Voice. Right now, if they would say, you don't have to sign the record deal. Just let us use your talent for our show to build our show, and I would do it. Who wouldn't do it, right? Yeah. But anybody that anybody that uh, that uses it to get a deal is smart if that's what they want. Yeah. Right. There's nothing wrong with wanting a record deal. But somebody like me has no incentive to go – other than the millions of people, but I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sign yeah. the deal. I mean, that's to that get in also, front of them. For me, that <clears throat> that created a, a group of of uh, I, I call them my friends, but um, the street teams that I have in every single state now from that show from the show. Yeah, that now it's been a, a, a solid five years ago that I was on the show, and those people will fly everywhere. And God bless you, the yallers. I mean, we I had them pick their name. And it was the yallers. Because I would always say, yeah, was, hey, y'all, this is Craig Wayne Boyd. And they were like, we're the yallers. I like that. And uh, they, they dubbed themselves. And now we have yallers <laughs> in every single state. And that was all because of being on national TV. 100%. Um, and being able to – the big thing was is keeping them interested, keeping giving them something that they want and and doing that often. That's, the, that's probably the hardest part of my job at the moment is just because then you get tied up in whatever project you're working on or whatever songs you're doing. And you and for me, I now have four kids, and that keeps me busy too. But uh, to keep everyone active and, and wanting to know what's going on in, in my life, that's, the, that's probably the hardest part. Do you have a YouTube channel? I do. It's Craig Wayne Boyd. Oh, oh yeah. CWB, I, y'all. <laughs> CWB, y'all. And you also have an Instagram, Craig Wayne Boyd. CWB, y'all. CWB, y'all. Well, I found you Craig Wayne Boyd, but I guess that's your name. Yeah. C- yeah. So is it all CWB, y'all? Oh, yeah. CWB, uh, y'all. Facebook, everywhere. everywhere? It is. Wanted to get that cleared up right yeah. off the bat so everybody, whoever listens, can go follow. Um, so what do you have going on now? Like I, Monica said, my cousin connected us. Oh, very cool. And uh, she said you have a record label you're starting? Uh, no. Well, I... What had happened was, uh, my I put out an album um, about two years ago, and uh, just recently parted ways with that label. Um, but between being on The Voice and having that album come out, um, I was on a label, not to mention who they are, but because I just don't want to give them credit for it. Um, Thank you. I was there for all of six months when they... <laughs> uh, but during that time, I recorded an album that I was very, very proud of. And um, I quickly found out it was not ever going to see the light of day. The and whole album. The whole album. Wasn't what gonna, what do you think about that, Jim? Ain't right. <laughs> How many times that happened to you? Never. You never recorded one song that didn't that they didn't release. Well, you got to realize that I recorded my stuff for somebody else. They didn't. Release I know. It. That's I'm up saying. to them. But most so, everything that I t- took stock in and played my best on was released. Yeah, but it was for a major label and for a major artist. Yeah, yeah, but I'm saying even I'm not talking about your own stuff. I'm saying you have you you've not played on anybody's even Johnny Paycheck. Like you didn't play on any of his songs that they didn't release. 
that never came out? Unreleased gems? Well, uh, Billy Sherrill, when, when he first uh, signed uh, Johnny, he called him up to the office, and, and Billy, I mean, and uh, Johnny called me, and he said, Jim, won't you go with me? So we got to Billy's office. He had two or three big boxes of tapes. Back then, this was before cassettes. <laughs> and uh, we hauled that all to the car, and we went through 200 uh, tapes and picked out 20 what we thought was great songs for John. And then Billy narrowed that down to 14, and we cut 12. So he always cut more than what he needed so that he could have some choice about what he wanted to put in the album that he was working on. But also, for prosperity, he's got more than he needs. So I'm satisfied that most everybody that I've worked with somewhere has probably got more things in the... They're all dead now, so they're still probably looking for anything they can find new on them. And there's, so that means that you re, you recorded several things that never got released. Probably so, that yeah. way, yeah. There's some Jim Best gems out there. Oh, mm. oh yeah. So Boy, someday, I'd like to find some of those. <laughs> someday yours will come out, right? Your, well, your that's gems. what that's what uh, that this latest album. I was able to uh, go through some legal stuff and uh, was able to get those masters back. Oh, and, that is the masters, yeah, and that's from the in between. Is why son of a gun. Hence the reason I called it from the in between. Now it and all I, makes sense. I wanted to put that album out uh, mainly for the fans because that's what ex- that was the album that I was feeling needed to go out right after the voice. I w- and it took me an album or so to get to that, you know, in, in five years. But I finally got to put that album out. Well, I'll, I'll tell like, you something really now from experience. Any young albums that you've got that really didn't get released or see the light of day, you hang on to it, own it, and then as soon as you really hit that lick, you're you're cutting number one records and stuff. Through your career, you can release that thing anytime you want to, and if albums are selling for $15, you can get thirty thirty five for that old piece of shit. <laughs> right? That, oh, I believe well, me. Well, it ain't a piece of shit, but you know. I have a whole stack of those, too. <laughs> I'm telling you, when you get to be there, they will pay whatever they can to see what you would like when you were younger. Yeah. And what you were doing, how you sounded. I have a lot of that from my, my EMI days, which was that was really cool. That was a de- definitely a developmental part of me uh, moving when I moved here and trying to find my own sound because I was I was coming from a, a background of my dad being a bluegrass guy and my mom being gospel and I, my grandma was the one that introduced me to country music. So I was trying to take all of those influences and find my own voice. And I knew I didn't sound like Tim McGraw, who was popular on the radio, or Trace Atkins or Kenny Chesney or any of those guys that were those were when I moved here were the hot guys. And I wrote Tim's first single. Really? Yeah. Well, heck yeah. What was it? What room was the Holiday Inn? What room <laughs> was the Holiday Inn? Wow. That's a cool title. Yeah, it is. I've Thank never you. heard the song, but that's a cool title. Cool song. That's awesome. I, I wish have, I had I it to, to play. Look that up. Yeah, oh, we'll, look. we'll hook it up sometime on one of your shows. I got it laying right there next to you. Yeah, well, I don't know if I want to play it on here. No, no. Because no. I don't want to have to pay Tim McGraw. You know what I'm saying? My song. I don't want it to pay you either. Well, you have to pay me. <laughs> yeah, you, you might have to. <laughs> uh, so um, you never did You never did finish telling us about the record. Were you not able to talk about the record label? What's that? The record label you started. Is that not factual? Is that not um, happening? Well, it's not quite. Well, I did start the label to put out the from the in-between. That was oh, okay. The, that was the deal. I got I, you. I uh, I was able to do that. Now I don't look at. I'm, I'm not going to be signing anybody to that. But that was just a, that I found a way in the industry to put out my own music and retain ownership. And what better way when I was getting ownership of something that I had already done and somebody else had 
to be able to put that underneath my own label. You know, that's how Colt Ford started and still is today. He started his own record label, Average Joe's. Oh, yeah. Because nobody would have him. Uh, But, you know, you just disappointed me because I was hoping I was going to sign to his record label. You know what I mean? (laughs) No. We'll talk about that, right? (laughs) No. So um, talk about who your mentors were growing up and your role models, other than your mom and your dad and people like that, but people that were on the, you know, that were superstars, who, out of the superstars, who were your role models? Growing up in such a religious home, uh, for me, I... The Southern Gospel roots were were the guys that I looked up to. It was it was the Russ Taff and and Michael English. The both of those guys are two of my favorite mm-hmm. singers of all times. And and then I can hear that. Um, and then what was great is even more recent. Um, I say recent in the past two or three years, I've been able to do some stuff with Jason Crab. I was a friend, you know, a fan of his family back in the day. And then to get to sit down and, and share a stage with him. Uh, was just mind blowing because he's just one of those guys that carries on that same tradition of, of the uh, the the Russ Tafts and the Michael English and I think Jason Crabbe's right there with him, uh, vocally, um, and then of course you cross right over into Travis Tritt is that same voice you know it really is if you think about it a different little bit different subject matter but it's the, still that same powerhouse you know. It's uh, I call it. Uh, it's the. It's not a tenor voice, but it's a high baritone voice, and that's kind of where we all sit at. I think. I always thought of Travis Street. He was one of my favorite. Uh, him and Garth Brooks were my favorite country singers when I was a boy, and uh, I always thought of Travis Street as more a little bit of rock and roll than Southern gospel, though. But you know, it's up for interpretation, I guess, because I've been people have accused me of sounding like Travis Street, and uh, really, yeah. Can you believe that? <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, Jason Crabb was actually on that Me and Jesus, was he not? He is, yeah. I thought he was. That was one of those things, again, that was uh, meeting him and, and getting to do some stuff with him, and then I I asked him about that song, because that's where I was coming through my my uh, realization period. Run, quit, I guess stopping running from what I was running from, um, and that's been a process for me, and, and what better way to do it than to to share it with everyone that this is what you're going through. Be real. You know, people want, you can be fake and, and say, oh, I do all of this, but it's like, no, you know what? I'm not, I'm not exactly where I want to be yet. You know, what's wrong with saying that? I, right. I think a lot of, Every I think a lot time. of, I think a lot of artists are, are nowadays are scared of doing that. And yeah. I'm not accusing anybody of that, but you understand what I'm saying. They're taught to do that. Yeah. By, That's what they're told to do. Yeah. By, well, by media, by magazines. And then if they're on a label, they're told not to, don't get political, don't get religious, don't get any of that. And so they're scared to do that. And even even society is teaching people to be, you know, be middle of the road about everything. Yeah. Don't be radical about anything, right, unless you're radical about what everybody else is radical about. Absolutely. You know, D.C. Talk, or not D.C. Talk, uh, Lecrae. You ever heard of Lecrae? I haven't. The rapper, he's a Christian rapper. In one of his songs, he says, in order to be a rebel today, you need to read your Bible. Right. Yeah. So everybody talks about being a rebel, this rebel, that, and the only thing that's not being done today is, you know, the Bible reading. So if you want to be a rebel today, read your Bible. That's what he said. And I thought that was profound. I I, I may use that. That's really good. Yeah. You should look up. You don't know if you probably don't like rap at all, do you? Man, I'm uh, I'm I'm not a uh, what do you call it? My my genres are quite open. I'm I listen to everything. I'm about to get you on a rap song. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, hey, I'm not scared. Quick, I ain't scared. Jim, you write. You's writing something. You got something? No, 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 no. I just making. You just doodling stuff. Yeah, make you look like you're important. Stick men. 
Gal, well, that, look at that. That looks just like Craig. <laughs> Golly, well, got the hair you, and all. We uh, we don't want to keep too keep you too long, but uh, you tell us uh, what right now is going on that you want everybody to know about. Um, I would love everyone to go out and check out this this album from the in between because I think that's an album that uh, I'd love for people to to check out because again, it's it's a it's from my heart, and uh, I fought long and hard to get this album out for people to be able to hear, and. Uh, Again, you mentioned one of your favorites on the album being Me and Jesus, and that, that's a song that uh, if I had the ability to do it uh, and put it out as a single you know, in that world, that's a song that I would love for people to, to listen to. Is that to. the same song, Me and Jesus, got our own thing going? No. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's called Me and Jesus are still working things out. It's a, it's a little different. I think I've too. heard that too, yeah. A little bit different song. I think that I thought it was that song too. I thought me and Jesus. I thought it was that one. I was like, this makes sense because he's rooted in Southern gospel. So I was like, this must be the one. And then I clicked on it, thinking I was like, no, this is a whole other version. This is nice. I love it. It was uh, Trent Tomlinson, writer on writer on that. Did he really? Absolutely. What a great writer. You know Trent Tomlinson? I don't. Oh man, dude. uh, The song that he wrote. What's the name of that song? About uh, angels like her. No, it's about his daddy. One wing in the fire. One, yeah. <laughs> One wing in the fire. You ever heard that? I don't think so. It's good. Son of a gun. I've been sheltered, you know. You really have. <laughs> you stay on these records that are on your wall. You only listen to those over and over again. No, I haven't heard a lot of that in a long time. Don't lie. You're the only man that plays his gold records. You know what? I I just had somebody call me and wanted me to do the intro I did on Set Em Up Joe. And I had to sit down and work out. I knew what it was, but I had to sit down and work it out again. Well, well that's because you hadn't it. played it in 40 years. Yeah. Like it. It's one of the best out there, by the way, that intro lick. Isn't it? Everybody you know, I, copies I, it. I really yeah. I really screwed a lot of my buddies, steel guitar players. Uh, one quick little thing, this is about you, but you said something that really hit home with me, and that's be yourself. And as a steel guitar player, I looked up to Buddy Emmons and Jimmy Day and Lloyd Green. And I still yet do. And I'd go to do these lesser sessions, and I'd think, what would they play on this? And finally, when I went to doing sessions for Billy Sherrill, the biggest producer in country mm-hmm. music, yeah. I realized that that wasn't going to get me through this. Mm-hmm. And I had taken time to uh, tune a string down to do the intro to a song, Sunday Morning Coming Down, da 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 boom And I just tuned one string down to do that thing. For one of my girl singers brought the song in. So I decided, you know, I want to get in Billy's face, and I... I'm going to try something. So slide off your satin sheets. I tuned that string oh, down. Oh, man. And I, and I put it on him. And Phil, he said, that low lick that you put on there right there, going to make that song right there. It's going to be your first number one record you ever played on. And Pig Robbins, old blind Pig Robbins on a piano player, sat across the room, oh, Billy, it's that fat boy on the steel, he said. <laughs> Billy looked at me and he said, you play that? I said, yeah, but I, maybe I shouldn't have, you know. He said, no. He said, I'm going to tell you the same thing. You just played on your first number one, but after that I played on a whole bunch of them because I found me. Wow. I played what the hell I wanted to play, what I thought yeah. I could play. And you said something about being yourself. Yeah. There's no better. That's it. I, I'm a I'm a firm believer of that, and especially that's something that I've been working through, you know, yeah. is um, trying to make sure that I'm doing what is what is me. Yeah. And uh, 2020 is the year of, of clear vision, right? 2020, year of Craig Wayne Boyd. That's what we're looking for. You know what? I've got, you know, I'm an old man now, and I've done my thing. You old? Still doing it, you know, but uh, I feel so good about this 2020. Yeah. 
Well, I when do. you got a Rolex on your wrist like you got, you better feel good about it. I ain't no Rolex. It's an Invicta. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, uh, one thing we like to do at the end of every show is tell our guests an unbelievable fact and see how they feel about it, see how it makes them feel inside. Hmm. You ready? What you got? Unbelievable fact. The medical name for butt crack is intergluteal cleft. Can wow. you write that in a song? Boy, I don't know about that one. Jim? Inter- she inter- told me to kiss her intergluteal cleft. Commence. You can't even say it. You just better stick with butt crack. Well, okay? if you'd said anything like Pauci or something like that, I'd understand. Right. Yeah, yeah, you knew that the, one. The, the last word I heard when she left <laughs> yeah. was the intergluteal, intergluteal cleft. <laughs> Don't let the it. doorknob hit you. I in love the... it. I love it. Um, so, Craig and I are going to get to work on that song after uh, this show ends. Sounds like a hit. Uh, last question is really asking you. What is the one question you've done? How many interviews you think? Just off the top of your head. Oh goodness, at at least five, six, eight hundred somewhere in there. Five, six, eight hundred, Jim. Somewhere in there. So, out of all those, what is the one question that you nobody ever asks you, but you wish they would? Um, how you doing? Well, how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. Right on. That's the show. Thank you, thank you, Craig, for tuning in. Yes, sir. For you didn't tune in, you were actually here. Uh, thank y'all for tuning in. We appreciate you. Please rate, comment, subscribe, and download. We love you dearly. God bless y'all. Ah, well, that's another one wrapped up. I thank y'all so much for listening, and thank you, Craig Wayne Boyd, for coming in the studio and telling us what it's like on the inside of the voice for a minute. Just a glimpse. Just for a minute, we were a fly on the wall. Y'all go follow and subscribe to Craig Wayne Boyd on every social media there is. It's CWB Y'all at CWB Y'all. Thank you so much, Road, for supplying the sound of this beautiful show. We love doing it, and we thank you so much. Again, I know this is getting repetitive, but please rate, review, subscribe, and download. I love you so much. God bless you.